0: Philippians chapter 2, that'll be our text tonight, uh, in verses 1 through 11. Uh, chapter 1 was all about having joy in the midst of suffering. Uh, now in chapter 2, it's about having joy in serving, and serving the Lord. And uh, let me tell you guys what a joy it is for my family and I to be here and, and serving with you guys and coming alongside you guys uh, in the ministry. And just seeing what the Lord is doing is just uh, its a, remarkable. It's amazing and it's it's just so cool to see uh the work of God in this church and in this fellowship and uh and the fellowship's growing by by uh one by one and Bethany and I we we're, we've just found out we're having a baby boy so super excited about that yeah thank you anyways we better start so chapter 2 of philippians let's just go ahead and read the the text first and then we'll go back over it and uh And go verse by verse. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Philippians, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of, uh, but his, uh, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth So, everybody alive and dead. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Oh, I love it. So, today we're going to break up our text in three different uh, sections. The first is the unity that Paul desires. That's going to be in verses 1 and 2. Secondly, is going to be the humility we need. That's going to be in verses 3 and 4 if you're taking notes. Uh, and then in, uh, the example Jesus set will be the third uh, section we'll go over, and that'll be in verses 5 through 11. So let's go ahead and get started. The first part, the unity that Paul desires. Look again at verse 1. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ. So this is a popular topic for Paul. He wanted the church, uh, to have no division in the church. And, and notice the list Paul makes regarding having, having a personal and really a practical, uh, unity within the church. He says this word consolation. Uh, this word consolation. Let's see. Here we go. Yeah, it works. Good job, guys. Um, is parakalesis in the in the Greek? Right. So uh, it's used 29 times in the New Testament. If you're taking notes, it's a compound word in the Greek. So para, uh, meaning alongside, and kaleo is uh to call. So paraklesis is the coming alongside to encourage us to uh exhort us and and when we come alongside others and, and and our we're an encouragement to others uh we can bring unity in the body of Christ and thus we can serve uh with joy. Uh, simply because of uh really it's the Lord uh in us. So uh look at the second thing. There's going to be five of these that that uh, Paul's going to point out to us. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, this word comfort... By the way, it's the only time used here in the New Testament in this word. It speaks of talking with or in dealing with other people in such a way that when we talk to them, it brings uh it brings that calmness in a sense. It saddles them down, we might say, uh, when we have conversation with them. And and notice carefully, by the way, it's notice uh it's linked with love this conversation, this reason, this is the reason it's linked with love. It's because that's the the way that the love that Jesus has for us, and that's the way he deals with us. It's out of love, right? He's not coming at us with wrath when we make mistakes. He's coming at us with love, and I think that's so cool. He loves us uh, in a sense, softly or gently, if you will, uh, thus bringing that calm or that settling to our hearts and to our, our souls. So the idea is, when we deal with other people in that way, it can bring unity uh, in the body of Christ. And especially when dealing with uh, even your spouse, you know, we're going to have conversations with each other, and and uh, in marriage and, and in any relationship, and and we have consolation, we have comfort, and we're to comfort one another and not backbite and attack each other we're to we're to come alongside with this type of comfort when we deal with them softly gently lovingly Um, and notice by the way everything is based in love Uh, in first john 4 8 it says he who does not love does not know god for god is love and if you are not loving then god's not in you it basically says galatians 5 22 but the fruit's by the way, singular right of uh, uh, of the spirit is love and and then the rest just follow right the other eight are the byproduct of love because of love. these are the attributes, if you will first corinthians thirteen three and though I bestow all my goods and to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me. Nada, in Espanol. You like that? Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, let's come to the third thing. It's fellowship. That's the konania that we have in Christ. That, uh, that, that, uh, what is it called in Hawaiian, um, Ohana, there you go. This is the fellowship, the family, you know. Um, It's used 20 times in the New Testament. It speaks of communion. It speaks of that oneness, that singularity of mind and heart. And notice this fellowship is of the Spirit. You and I cannot have this fellowship in and of ourselves, out of our own flesh, Uh, The only way that we can have this type of fellowship is by the power, by the presence, and by the person of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. And because, you know, if you try in and of your own flesh, away from the Spirit, if you don't have the Spirit in you and you try to fellowship, you might do pretty well. You might be doing pretty good in the beginning. You're shaking people's hands or trying to talk to them and trying to be a part of, you know, the church, the believer's. But then you're gonna fall flat on your face and you're gonna be like, uh, you're gonna be failing miserably because you're trying in your own flesh. And this is something, it's a work of the Spirit. Notice that. And, and we need the Holy Spirit in our, our, our lives to help us, to enable us, to empower us, um, really to be able to have this fellowship with other believers, this communion, this, singleness of mind and of heart. And, and when you do, of course, the byproduct of that is it's going to bring unity in the body of Christ. And that's what Paul desires here in the text. So you guys have, you know, you guys, this is a great fellowship and you guys have great, uh, I, I notice I jump into people's conversations sometimes. You guys probably notice me. I jump in and I'm like, hey, how's it going? What? What's going on? Okay. Hey. But you, I hear the conversation and you guys are talking about the Lord. You guys are talking about scripture and it's just, oh, I love it. And, uh, oh, anyways, let's go to the next one, the fourth one. Uh, look at verse one at the end of verse one. It says, if any fellowship of the spirits... Um, if any, affection and mercy. This word affection, by the way, carries the idea of an inward attitude, uh, not just an outward action. So uh, this word is the same word in the Greek language, uh, by the way, of the use of the Roman soldiers. Uh, in fact, get the picture here. You know, the Roman soldiers, they'll have, I don't know, a foot to two feet of their sword, right? It's a little graphic, by the way, so you might want to hold your ears. But they would go up to their enemies in war and they would get them right in the stomach and then lift it straight up so that they, they, it's an immediate kill basically. So the Roman soldier in a sense had a a deep affection for their enemy which is really grace in a sense because you think of the babylonians like pastor dwight's going over uh and he's talking about these guys were brutal they will let you you know stay in your own blood for hours and days and and it was just a brutal thing that that they did there but because the way they killed them the romans that is they they didn't um, they didn't suffer. And that's where we get that word affection here. There, there's no pain. They didn't continue to to uh, feel anything because it was an immediate death blow, if you will. Um, so uh, that's the word affection. And this is the kind of affection that God wants us to have for other people and not not to kill other people by the way (laughs) i think you guys understand what i'm saying but um although there are some people that you know you might want to you're like hey i want to have some affection um just kidding Calm down, guys. You guys okay? Everybody here? Everybody over with me? Okay, alright. Um, the point is, hopefully, we have that same type of affection toward other people where, you know, we don't want to see them suffer. We don't want to, we see non believers, our family, and there should be that affection. When they walk right past you, it should just really stir you up, and, and, and there's just this, almost that trembling before you. For their sakes, right? And you want to tell them the gospel. You, there's just that deep affection. You don't want to see them continually suffer in, in the sense of not knowing the Lord or, or whatever it may be. So um, once we have this heart uh, of not wanting to see others suffer, it brings really that unity in the church, in the body of Christ. And the fifth thing is mercy. Mercy, it means pity or compassion. And, and this is how Christ deals with us. You see, justice is getting what we deserve, right? And grace is not getting what we what we deserve, right? It's get, well, I'm sorry, it's getting what we don't deserve. And mercy is getting what we really having held back, which we do deserve. That's what mercy is. Uh, I deserve, I well, hell, fire, judgment, condemnation, the heavy hand of condemnation in, in a sense. There, uh, man, I deserve a lot, uh, it's it's not good. Um I'm a pretty messed up guy. Hey Amen. You guys with me or hello, church? You guys are we all are we sinners in here? This is a tr- this is the I call it a hospital for sinners, by the way. Isn't that cool? Isn't that true? We're we're all coming here because we're broken and we want to know the word of God. We want to know the God of you know, we want to know his word. And so that's the idea. We just open up the word and we want to just grow in him. Uh and it's so good. But the 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 so God gives me mercy, God holds back that which I deserve, and, and the point is, when we have mercy toward others, even though they might not deserve it, right, and some of you guys know there's, there's those stinkers out there, right, <laughs> um, what they, uh, the byproduct of showing mercy is there's going to be unity in the body of Christ, right, and there's going to be joy, and uh, in, in really, when we come to to the Lord, and and when we serve the Lord, and serving the Lord, it's not a bummer, right? It's not. Oh, I got to go to church today. Oh, I got to do this. I got to go teach the one and two year olds today. Ah, oh. <laughs> it's it's worship unto the Lord, and worship is not worship unless it's sacrifice. If it if it costs you nothing, it's not a sacrifice. It's not worship unto the Lord, and in that case, I would tell you you should stay home. Don't you? You know, come come into the service and just sit down and get fed if that's the case. You should not be serving if it's a bummer to you because you're not serving it on to the Lord. And and as the body of Christ, we ought to be uh, serving the Lord. Amen? Church, right? Amen? So let's go the second thing here is the the command Paul gives. Look at verse 2. It says fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind so that word fulfill my joy there's the the imperative in the greek language there's the commandment right here fulfill that's the word um and it means complete um oh there it is Uh, it means complete paul says he wanted uh, his joy to be complete finished by them being like-minded and uh how 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 can we be uh like-minded by being of one mind that's the idea it carries the idea of having the same thoughts the same attitude uh the same heart so having unity in what we think in our mind and having understanding in our minds becomes pretty significant uh in fact because the byproduct is fulfilling uh Paul's joy so and and the whole idea of chapter 2 by the way is Having joy in serving the Lord. And in your marriage relationship, it's important that we have the same mindset as your spouse. Imagine that if you didn't have the same mindset and you're like, you're doing this, thunk, 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 right? Uh, it's going to be a constant tension and strife. But if you have the same mind, I could be talking to my wife and she finishes my words. She just knows what I'm going to say. So I'm like, why should I even say it? I, you know, we, we got that same, that likeness, that oneness. And we as the body of Christ, we naturally have that because we have the same spirit within us. And and that's how it, it's it's pretty awesome. But we need to guard against the the thoughts of the day because we have an enemy. Are we? We're in a spiritual warfare. We're in a battle. We're at war, ladies and gentlemen. And if we're not protecting our mindset, if we're allowing negative thoughts to to be fed in our minds, and we're not he- holding our our thoughts captive. And, and, and putting it on the Word of God, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. The Word of God is able to transform our, our minds. So the more we put the Word of God in our minds, we're, we're, we're pushing away all those other thoughts. And we gotta practice this daily. And how do we do that? Daily, we need to pick up our cross and follow Him. In other words, we got to leave our reputation and everything we are at the cross. So when somebody comes to you and they hurt your reputation, you're not going to fight and be all raw and arguing because, well, you don't have anything to fight for. You died, didn't you? Right? This morning you died. So that's what we ought to do in the morning. we got to we got to die to ourselves and put ourselves in the Word of God daily lest we allow our thoughts to be taken over. And man, I think the media does enough of that. About, what, 10 hours, 9, 10 hours a day, the average person is just watching TV or they're on social media, and then you're just constantly getting bombarded by all the things of the world. And then you come to church maybe an hour on Sunday. Maybe well, You guys are super troopers, by the way. You guys are the the go-beyonds, the go-getters. You guys are the not just Sundays, but, oh, I do Wednesdays too. And that's good. That's healthy. It's needed, right? We need that in our lives. Um, but there's just so much coming against us. And, and the enemy is winning over our marriages, over our, our families, over our our schools and our churches if we're not allowing the word of God to soak into us richly and deeply. If we're not seated like Psalms, uh, what is it, chapter 1, if we're not planted by the, the rivers of water, right, then we're going to go toss to and fro every little wind of doctrine that comes our way. So we need to be grounded and we need to be set, and that only happens by the word of God. By the way, uh, tomorrow, if you guys want to come to the foundations class, we're going to talk about the importance of the word of God, so I'm excited about that. Anyways... But the battle's real, right? The battle's real every single day of our lives. So the question is, how do we become like-minded? In verse 2, Paul gives us two participles. <clears throat> participles tell us uh, how to fulfill the imperative, or the command, if you will. And what's the command? The command is fulfill, right? So um, the two participles in verse 2 that tell us how we can be like-minded, number one is by having the same love, uh, look at the, the beginning of verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love. And that love is that agape love. That's the selfless, sacrificial, it's a spiritual love that only Christ can give you. You can't just develop this type of love in your own strength. This becomes important because the kind of love we have for others is, well, if you love me, then I'll love you. That's called conditional love, Right? I'll love you if you do this for me, or I'll do this for you. I remember in a, oh, I probably shouldn't. Um, what was it? First grade. I think I was in a little town, Wilcox, Arizona, little elementary school, and the girl that I liked in elementary, she came up and she saw, I'll kiss you if you climb up the playground and you jump off. And I think, I didn't, I didn't, I was like, kiss, girl, I love, you got it, I jumped off. And I was like, where's my kiss? And she ran and took off, and I was like, hey! It was conditional love, right? <laughs> was it real? And and, and that's, that's the natural love that we have for each other. That's conditional love. But the love that comes from God is supernatural, and it's a love that's only instilled by God. In fact, uh, that agape love, so it, it's a love that he gives us, right? And... um and that's the love that we can give to others as well as we see that love that God uh, imparts to us. So this becomes really significant because there are some real stinkers out there, Amen. Right? Hey, some people are very difficult to love, and now's not the time to be nudging the person next to you. But hey, uh, but the point is, once we receive this kind of love from Christ, um, you know what? From uh, it's He's gonna He's gonna do a work in our lives, and He's. He's the one bringing that unity in the church. And it's a work of Christ for his church. And notice it's not a work of our own flesh. It's pretty neat. So let's go to the second thing here. By being of one accord, one accord, um, it says, uh, so one accord means some in the Greek, uh, which means together with, and then sukos means breath or Spirit. So this word is only used here, by the way, and nowhere else in the New Testament. And it carries the idea of unity or oneness in the spirit. You hear the phrase, my spirit bears witness with theirs. Uh, and it carries the idea of having a like mind or a like heart, being on the same page spiritually with others, with other believers, and, and thus fulfilling the joy uh, a Paul's desire there so let's come to the second thing I said there's only three sections that we're gonna deal with here in Philippians uh, the second section is the humility we need uh, and this is important issue because if there is one thing that we need in dealing with other people it's humility, right? And and I love this. If Paul deals with two people in verses three and four as it pertains to the humility we need. Number one, he deals with ourselves. Look at verse three. It says, "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceits, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself." So, um, that's th- this idea of selfish ambition. I think I got it on here. Uh carries the idea of strife or contention. And and so when we put ourselves, you know, first, we're only looking out for our own interest, uh it, it can cause strife and it could cause uh contention and, with other people. And it involves conceit, Conceits. Uh and it this word right here, it's a compound word, kino, meaning Vain or empty and doxa, doxa meaning glory. So it carries the idea, idea of vain glory. And you know what? Some of us, I think a lot of us, or all of us, kind of like the, that, 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 to take some of the glory sometimes. Some of us like that pat on the back and, hey, you're doing good, brother. How's it going? Good job. Hey, boy, Keep it up. Yay. Right? And and, and so we got to be very, very careful in both of these areas in our lives. We need to humble ourselves and, and making sure that whatever we're doing, we're not doing it for the sake of being seen by man. If you're doing it onto the man, that's the... That's the word right there. In vain glory is the idea. And, and thus there's going to be strife and contention and conceit and all the other uh, ones there. But, and then it's going to bring divisiveness and it's going to break up that unity that Christ is having in the church. And so we got to be very careful with that. Um, number two, we need, we need this humility in dealing with others as well. Others. Look at verse three at the end of verse three. It says, but in lowliness of mind that each esteem others, better than himself let each of you look out not only for his own interest but also for the interest of others so humility is putting the needs of uh, and the interest of others above your own and putting them to the front of the line we would say and and being humble is putting others First, and that's going to bring uh, humility in the church, and I think it's a it's a it's a great thing, and that's why what Paul is desiring here in verses one, two, three, and four, uh, this I- idea of humility in bringing unity to the church. Why? Because the byproduct, typically, um, in serving others. Putting others first. The only way we can, we can do that, by the way, is in, uh, serving others with joy. It's through humility. And, and this becomes important for all of us as a church corporately. However, it also, it, we can take it a step further because we also need, uh, we need this in our lives personally as well. Check this out. James chapter four, uh, verses six and also 1 Peter 5-5. It says basically the same thing, but it says God resists the who? the proud but he gives grace to the the humble and and this is why we are to humble ourselves this idea of god's grace becomes Pretty significant. And if you guys are with me, we're going to take a little grace trail here, uh, because that's how, that's how we were saved. We all recognize the fact that we couldn't work our way into the kingdom of God. We couldn't buy our own good deeds. We couldn't do anything in and of our own selves. We had to rely fully by the grace of God, by faith in the cross, right? In his finished work upon the cross and his, in his uh, death and resurrection and the burial. But, uh, we had to look to him for our salvation. So humbling yourself is how you receive this grace. And, and this is for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we had to humble ourselves in order to receive this grace of God. And this is also for our everyday life, for our our life practically, and everything that we go through. We need His grace to grow, right? And when you humble yourself, God grants you His grace for every situation of every day of your life that you need as a believer. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, uh, it says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, Which, and what is this grace able to do? It's able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We understand that God's grace is able to build us up as believers. And we don't deserve His grace, but we also need His grace in order to be obedient to Him. Trip out on this. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 5. It says, through Him we have received grace, And apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And that only comes through humility. You can't obey God apart from his grace. And you can't have his grace unless you humble yourself. In Romans chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. And what does this grace do? Well, it helps us to stand. And also, secondly, to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So his grace is able to help you stand when you just can't stand it anymore, right? If you guys ever caught yourself saying, I just can't stand it, <laughs> Pray for his grace, humble yourself, calm down, right? He's able to enable you with his grace. Second Corinthians four fifteen says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause, here it is, thanksgiving. To abound to the glory of God, so the only way that you and I can be thankful uh, in fact, I was just doing a Bible study today at a at an apartment complex, and there 's an older guy he 's he's, uh, how old is he He's eighty eight years old I believe he is older guy i 'm um, not going to say too too old to offend anybody here but but he 's pretty old and and he Every day he's giving people rides for free at his apartment complex to go to the hospital and get their regular routine things. And I was like, "Why do you do it?" He said, like, "I just want to serve. I just want to. I wake up every day and I'm I'm thankful unto the Lord that I even have legs and that I have arms and I'm able to even get out of bed." And I was like, "Yes, that's awesome." I was like, "I do the same thing." I wake up and I'm like, Oh, Lord, thank you. It's just that gasp of, like, gratefulness onto the Lord. You know, because we could wake up, and we maybe we can't wake up, right? Uh, your body could be all in different areas. But anyways, 2 Timothy 2.1, it says, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So his grace also uh, enables you to be strong as a believer in Christ. Titus chapter 2 uh You guys with me on this one? You guys awake? Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, and here it is, this is what his grace teaches us, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So the only way that we can live godly is by his grace when you humble yourself. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God, and here it is, acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. Both of those uh, we are able to do in serving God. You see, if you're serving God in your own power, in your own flesh, in your own will, If you in, in that sense, uh, it's not acceptable unto the Lord. And, and, uh, in fact, uh, it's like throw up to the Lord. It's pretty disgusting. It's like filthy garments, right? Get that picture. Get the picture of fishy smell, right? My wife and I are looking for houses right now. We went to a house down the street from here. I opened up the shower curtain. I was like, ah! It reminded me of the, of the, uh, that's our, our righteousness of our own flesh to the Lord is like, "Oh, it stinks. It's all, if that, uh, anyways. Um, but, so we need, Man, if, if you're so if you're serving the Lord in your own straight, don't do it, right? It's got to be the Lord. It's going to be the work of the Lord. And it's going to happen naturally. So we need Jesus to do everything in our hearts and in our lives. Um, lastly, let's finish with this last section here, the example that Jesus set. And in fact, this is in verses 5 through 11. Uh, in talking about humility and unity, there is no greater example than than, than Christ himself. Uh, that's why Paul uses Christ as our example. And, and Paul's going to give us four things to note here about the example of Christ. Uh, number one, let's look at the mind of Christ. Look at verse 5. It says, Let this mind... Be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Uh, mind carries the idea of attitude. It's a, it's a mindset of Christ. So our minds need to be set on his mind. How does he think? How would he react? Right? And our attitude will eventually manifest, uh, itself through our actions. In other words, what we allow ourselves to think that we will eventually do. And and uh, that's why we need the mind of Christ. We need to guard our minds. We need to protect our minds. We've got to take those thoughts captive that are not allowed to be in our minds. Joshua said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, right? We've got to say the same thing for yourself and your own mind. And, and shut those things out because those things are going to bring division and they're going to cut you and they're going to damage you and they're mess you up. In Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, here we go. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, and whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good reports. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. Man, that is super important. Do you want something to think about? There you go. And all. It's going to impact your relationships as well. It's going to impact those around you as well. Think of all, again, the, all the hours that we're being bombarded with all the junk of the world. Here's some things you could revert back to and consider when those things are happening. Uh, so we need to be super careful in what we allow in our minds. And you have a choice in the matter. Isn't that cool? It's pretty neat. So Ephesians 5, 2 says we should be imitators of God. In fact, in First Corinthians eleven one, Paul says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so what was the mindset of Christ in the context? It's all about putting others first, right? And see, that's that is what christ did on calvary's cross and and in fact how how he put you and i first above his needs in a sense and above his interest above his own will um so that he might die for our sins that we might have life because of his love right um uh well i look back at at the garden right when jesus was sweating drops of blood and he said lord if if there's any other way speaking of the cross. Then, then let it be, but nonetheless. Let your your will be done, right? Not my own will, but your will be done. And and that was his heart, and I think that's so neat. Um, the, the second aspect of the example Jesus said involves his service. His service. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. So understanding this. That God Almighty came in the flesh, right uh, to this earth, took on the form of man, and died on the cross of Calvary, right for our sins. This has huge implications here. The religious leaders uh, in in uh, John five eighteen when J- they were they were gonna kill Jesus because he made the claim that he was one with the Father, that he was he, he was God, he was equal with God himself, and now to be equal with God. Means, basically, you are God, is what it's saying there. And so because God has no equal, uh, no equal, so the inference is saying you are in fact God Almighty. And so the the Jews, they they were in an uproar there, the, the religious leaders, I should say. So only Jesus can make that claim, by the way. Uh, the word form uh, carries the idea of something that never changes, immutable, unchangeable. And, and, and speaking of equality that, J- that Jesus has with God, uh, equal carries the idea of equal in quantity and quality here. So this means Jesus Christ is God Almighty. You guys are so sleeping on me. Wake up, everybody. Where's all those amens? Is there any amen for that? Oh, okay, all right, all right, we're good. Um, are you guys sure that Jesus is God? Yeah, of course. There you are. John one one says, "In the beginning, God created the the, the heaven." Well, I'm sorry. Where am I? At? In the beginning, the word. Oh, I'm sorry. was the word? And the word was with God, and the word was God. If you go to verse fourteen, it says, And the word became flesh, speaking of Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." In fact, Jesus said in John uh, ten thirty, "I and my Father are one." John 8:58 says Jesus said to them Moses surely I say to you before Abraham was I am. That's the great I am uh, statement of Christ there. Uh the Jews knew exactly what this meant because when Moses before, you know, he's, God says go to the go to Israel, you know, go to go to Pharaoh and tell him, you know, let my people go and he says who do I say you are and he says tell him I am sent you. That's the great I am statement. Jesus is making that same claim that He is the I am. In fact, in Revelation chapter one verse seventeen, I'd love to give this to um, other religions and other some. There's some wacky people out there, believe it or not. Um, uh, in Reve- uh, Revelation chapter one. Um, well, maybe it's not there. Well, maybe it is there. Uh, okay, uh, Jesus says, and you could give this to Jehovah's Witness as well. I like to start in verse 8 and then work my way up to, to get there to verse 17 with them and say, hey, who is this talking about? Well, they start to read it, and it's red letters, but they're like, it'll say, it says, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. Uh, And and I'm like, who is this, who's speaking here? And they're like, oh, that's God. Yeah, it's definitely God. It says, I am he who lives and was dead. Whoa, when did God die? Oh, uh, what? It's that? Oh, and it just, you just shook up their whole foundation with one verse. Boom, right? And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen just mess them up right there. Jesus is making the claim that he is God. God's saying to of himself that he is God there in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, in fact, he told Philip in John 14:10, "Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me and the words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works." Thomas made that declaration in John 20, verses 28. He says, my Lord and my God. Uh, in Romans chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus is the eternal God. In 1 John 5:20, Jesus is the true God. In fact, in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That just made the claim that Jesus is God. All of those verses made the claim that Jesus is God. In fact, in Hebrews 1-8, it says, God says to the Son, speaking of Jesus, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. God is calling Jesus God. And, and, and Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is our popular Christmas one, right? Um, you can show this to the Jews. This is the Old, the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah 9-6, uh, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, speaking of Jesus, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow! So God is speaking of himself that he, being the Messiah, would be God Almighty amazing if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God well you need to check again right there's just a handful there's a whole bunch of them if you don't if you don't believe that Jesus is God and God came in the flesh as man then in fact 1 John says you're not even saved Check this out for yourself. In chapter 4, verse 13, it says, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. And here it is. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him, and he in God. And we know uh, and have known and believed the love that God is for us. God is love and He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So, boom, again, right? Look at verse 7. Go back to Philippians if you're still there. It says in verse 7, But God... Or I'm sorry, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So in contrast to Christ being equal to God and being God, Jesus emptied himself, right, uh, and took on the form of a servant in the likeness of God. God, You know what? God was in the, he knew exactly what he was doing. God, chose from the foundation of the world from the very beginning in fact Jesus was there at the very beginning because he is God in fact in John 3 he was speaking to Nicodemus but he was also in heaven at the same time because he was omnipotent in fact in uh uh what am i saying oh in uh, at the birth of Christ you look at the the when he was born he chose to open up all the inns, and and they had their for sale signs, and people, you know, filled up those, and he made stuff happen so that Mary and Joseph couldn't get a room. He knew exactly what he was doing. They were like, oh, we can't get a room, We right? They... God knew what he was doing. He was going to be born. The animals are there. The, the stinkiness of the animals, right? The out there in, in the stable. He knew exactly how he would be born. He knew how he would live. And he knew exactly how he would die on the cross for you and I. In fact, he had you in mind. Which is amazing. So why did God become 100% man? And also, by the way, he was 100% God. That's the deity. In verse 7, so that he can be a servant to man. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus set that example for us. And what is that example? To be a servant of others. It doesn't matter what position you may have, right? It doesn't matter what ranking you have or, uh, you know, what kind of, uh, title you have or what people may think of you. Uh, the question is, are we following the example of Jesus, are we serving other people? Are we ministering to the needs of other people, or are we just ministering to our own needs? Right? Uh, Jesus is that example for for us in His service. In John thirteen fifteen, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and, and He says, "For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done uh, to you. No matter how important you think you are, you are called as a believer in Christ Jesus." To serve other people. And by the way, washing feet is one of the most humbling things you guys can do. Uh, well, especially if you do my feet, <laughs> you know, oh, right? That's going to be really humbling. But uh, to wash the feet of others, that's what Christ did for us. And that's what he set as an example for us to do. And and in 1 Peter two twenty one, For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. And, and let's look at the third thing, in his sacrifice. Look at verse 8. It says in verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus made that ultimate sacrifice for you and I. Jesus not only humbled himself in becoming a man, but he also humbled himself in becoming obedient to God and, and submitting to the will of God, uh, which meant his death, but not just any death, according to verse 8. This was one of the most cruelest, savage, uh, deaths of the time that you could even die in. And this is what Christ did for you and I. And, and this becomes important in two areas. Number one, because of love. Look at verse uh, the rest of verse eight again. It says, And we found an appearance as a man, he humbled himself, he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. How do we know that Jesus Christ really loves us? Well, because of the sacrifice that he made for us. Right? That the fact that he was willing to die on Calvary's cross for you and I was the demonstration of his love. In fact, look at Romans 5-8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In John chapter 15.13, it says, Greater love has, uh, where is it? There it is. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one, uh, one's life for his friends. So, and that's the love that Christ displayed on Calvary cross through his sacrifice and and that's the proof of his love in fact in first John 4:10 it says, um, in this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins and and the second reason this is important is because of joy because of joy what are you talking about? according to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 check this out he was able to go to the cross. For joy, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the cross was a shameful thing, but he despised the shame uh, that the cross uh... implied right and and why because of his great love for us And, and that's the example that he set for us it was sacrificial uh... type of love and the point for you and me is if you want to have joy in serving others it needs to be done sacrificially it needs to be done with the sacrificial heart if you will then you can have joy in serving others but if it doesn't cost you anything if it doesn't if it, it doesn't it's not a sacrifice remember it 's not worship unto the Lord and I always love to look back at uh, Samuel when he's with Eli and, and and the Bible says that he was ministering unto the Lord as a young child and that's how we should be with the gifts and the talents that God has given us we ought to minister those gifts onto the lord by and and by doing so that's our act of worship uh a translation of romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 we we that's our uh just that's what we can offer is our our bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to the lord it's a reasonable service the bible says but it's an act of worship and and uh let's come to the Let's come to the fourth and final thing as it pertains to the example that Jesus set, uh, and it's in his exaltation. Notice in verse 9, it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should, notice the word should, bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, so everybody alive and dead, and that every tongue should, notice the word again, should, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. the word therefore is linked to obviously the humility uh, that we're talking about in verse eight and and Jesus humbled himself to the point of death thus, uh, was his exaltation. Exult, uh, so this is the great paradox of Christianity today, by the way, um, that that the way up is actually the way down, and you scratch your head, and you're like, what are you talking about? Do you want to be great in the kingdom of God? I'm sure you guys do, right? I'll just answer for you. Yes, I do, right? Um, that, well, God wants you to be great in the kingdom as well. Uh, in fact, he even says, uh, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to be a servant of all. What's you know, I thought I got to be the ruler of all, Lord. No, you got to be the servant of all. And, and and that involves this aspect of humility. Guys, this is something we're taking into the kingdom of God, right? This is something that we God has called us to right now in, in your life, right now. When you humble yourself, you will be exalted. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, uh or verse 6. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. In James chapter, 4 verse 10 it says humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up notice the byproduct of his exaltation by the way according to verse 10 and 11 um, it's that every name everybody's going to confess everybody's going to bow a knee right and how important it is the name of Jesus it's eternally important by the way that there's no other name greater than the name of jesus uh in fact peter recognized that in acts chapter 4 verse 12 he says nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved it's the name of jesus and it's important to note by the way every knee should bow and every tongue should confess uh that jesus is lord however it will be something you shall do. Uh, according to Romans 14, 11, and we'll just end with this, the Bible says, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So today it's something we should do, but once we die, it's something you definitely will do, but by the time you get there, the, the life that you lived is the life that you're taking with you, right? If you chose to live for Christ, you're going to live with Christ. If you chose to live against Christ and away from Christ, well, then there's the results of your, your life as well. There's going to be a heaven. There's a hell. It's not about heaven. It's about the person, Jesus Christ, right? But you choosing not to have a relationship with Christ are going to go to a place where the fire doesn't End. It doesn't burn out. Where the, the worm doesn't die. It's going to be a horrible place. A place of gnashing of teeth. A place that is brutal, and and it's there's darkness, and it's 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 a horrible place. So every knee will bow eventually. Every knee uh, and every every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. So why not do it now? Right? <laughs> why wait? You, you, there's no there's no chance once you die. Um, and and we're either. So just consider it. Hey. Um, right now, uh, right where you are, if you truly believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, that he really did come in the flesh, if you believe that and you have not given your life to Jesus, if you believe, you know what, I'm I'm a sinner, I've made mistakes, and I'm pretty sure you all will raise your hand, right? Um, We've all made mistakes. The Bible says, uh, for, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's no, not one perfect. No, not one, the Bible says. And, and that's the reason why Christ came and that's the reason why he died. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and Savior, and you want to have that personal relationship with Him. I want to give you guys an opportunity. I want to give you guys a, a, an opportunity to pray to the Lord and and to receive the Lord. You know, maybe you've been playing church all your life, maybe you've been coming to church all your life, but you haven't made that commitment. You haven't gone die hard for the Lord. You haven't surrendered to the Lord. I lived my Christian life as a kid, and and I did my thing, and I I loved reading the Bible. I loved praying to the Lord. And, and yet I live my life in the flesh until I surrendered my life to the Lord, until I recognize that He is God Almighty, that He is the Lord, that He is the Savior, that I am a sinner and my sin, no matter how much of sin you've done, there's nothing that you have done that He cannot forgive. There's nothing that you have done that His blood can't cover. He says in the Bible that your sin, he's removed your transgression. As far as the east is from the west, it's gone. He's thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. If you would call out to him, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's willing, he's here, he's able and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think. Just your mind will explode the things that God will do in your life. But would you allow him to do that in your life? And so I encourage you guys, if you uh you want to be, you know, absolutely certain that you're gonna be in the kingdom of God. And it, it might be tonight. We all heard of this word the rapture, right? And uh and I hear the rumor is what well, it might be tonight, right? So hey, you better get your life right. Tomorrow's not promised. But anyways, um Jesus said um, John fourteen six he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and that 's the cross there 's a big gap guys, in where you are and where God is, and in order to cross that gap, you've got to cross through the cross. you guys get the picture? You gotta go across the cross and, and you gotta look to Jesus and what he's done for you because it's his work, the reason why you get to heaven, and it's not your work, the reason you get to heaven because you can't get to heaven. So let's pray and, uh, in fact, let's stand up and, and, uh, give, give this night to the Lord. Um, in fact, if any of you guys want to give your life to the Lord and you, you haven't made that decision, I want to give you guys an opportunity even now, just raise your hand and just, We'll we'll pray and we'll uh we'll pray together. Uh if there's anybody. Nope. Okay, let's pray. Um Lord, thank you so much um for just for your word and for uh huh, there's so much Lord, it is pretty heavy, pretty meaty, Lord, and uh yet it's needy in our lives as believers. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring that sweet conviction in our lives, Lord, that you would um Lord, that you would move us as believers if we're still and if we're just sitting around and allowing the world to to tell us what to do. I pray, God, that you would do a work in us, Father, that your spirit would move us, and Lord, that we would choose to glorify you, that we would pick up your word daily, Lord, that we would pick up the cross daily, that we would deny the flesh, that we would take our thoughts captive, Father, and that we would rely on your grace. And we ask, God, that you would fill us, uh, grant us your grace, Lord, and I uh, pray that you would uh, do a work in our lives, Lord. Shake us up, Father, that we might uh, live for you and get us out of our comfort zone, Lord. And I pray if anybody's here uh, who does not know you, Lord, I pray that they uh, would pray to you and that they would look to the things that you did, Father, for them and uh, that they would truly make that decision before you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.